Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, uh, the Rangers podcast, the show that we bring to you every Thursday for free and always will. And uh, joining me now to talk about another eventful day in the history of RFC is our uh, transatlantic correspondent, Mr. Shane Nicholson. Shane, how are you today, my friend? Wonderful. I'm freezing my ass off, but outside of that, it's not bad. Oh, uh, oh yeah, except for the pile of hell that we just climbed into at the rangers but yeah yeah so six weeks um decided to go for the guy that looked the obvious guy on day one um after he'd been bodied twice by our under 20s coach um and then he knocks his back yeah it's it's kind of like the worst version of two girls one cup ever (laughs) six weeks no manager (laughs) Uh, and we're still covered in shit at the end of it so i uh I, i you know, it, it, it comes back to we, we didn't have a succession plan in place no. with Pedro. We didn't have a succession plan in place when we hired Pedro. We didn't have one in place when it was time for him to go. Um, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm pretty pissed off now. Sitting, you basically had King at the AGM saying, "We know what we're doing. Don't ask us any questions. Don't worry about it, blah blah blah." You clearly don't. No, and, and I mean, it's it starts. Listen, this all starts from the fact we never put competent exec comp in place after the EGM. You know, I mean, it, once once we got control of the club or got wrestled away from the uh, Ashley Green Brigade, we never we never put in real competent executives in important positions throughout the company. I think we did in the the important areas of like the books and the off the field thing i think they're fine yes. at that they're doing they're doing great at that but they clearly have absolutely no clue how to run the football side of a football club and unfortunately that's the most visible side and that's the one they're judged on and it's possibly unfair because you know we it wasn't the football side that that caused all the, the turmoil it was the the less glamorous other side of it but the most visible the thing people care about the most is what they see on the pitch, and that starts obviously with, with a with a manager. And again, had they gone for Derek McInnes day one, and this had happened, that's one thing. But to go six weeks later for him and not get him is unforgivable. And every day that went past, if you were then going to go back to, 
you know, who was seen as a sure thing. And I, what I will say is the information that I've got that's, that's coming out from the board is that he was very keen, um, pretty much right up until the time he said, I'm not taking it, and went back up to Aberdeen. So, yeah. th- you know, they were surprised that it was a bit of a vote fast from him. They weren't expecting it. But the, the real issue is that it took us six weeks to get to this point. How long is it going to take us to get to the next one? Well, and that's, I mean, I, I don't think any of us think McKinnis was the very first choice or else it wouldn't have taken six weeks to get here, right? Yeah, um, so again, this comes back to the succession planning that, all right, if the first choice wasn't available six weeks ago, if McKinnis was number two, you know, whether it was six weeks or five weeks or four and a half weeks or three weeks or whatever, however fucking long ago it was, we should have had this part of it done. I mean, there's no excuse to be sitting here flailing. I mean, Murphy's doing a great job, I think, in, in a pretty awful situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it, it's amazing to me. You know, it's, it's like you're saying, I mean, this this, this is like, I can't, even, I can't even think of a good business analogy of it. <laughs> I mean, well, there's no good the, business analogy for it. That's, that's the yeah, drawback. I mean, they're, they're all shit business Yeah, they're, they're like Enron <laughs> analogies are plenty, but unfortunately not, nothing nothing decent. And the other issue is now that something that is always going to be held against a successful appointment, Shane, regardless of who it is, is that, oh, they went for someone else first. And it's unfair because, I mean, obviously the fact that you go for someone, if you don't get them, then you have to still appoint someone. But it will be held against whoever takes the role on now at any time of strife yeah but I, I mean I guess it's different with McKinnis because it played out so publicly but you know again he, he I don't think he was the first choice you know I, I, I don't know what what you think in that regard no, he, but, he, uh, was always a, he was always someone that they felt they could go yes, with if they didn't get yes. someone better and, and unfortunately I think that they communicated that so publicly and so obviously that I do think that that yeah. That it did affect him, and you know, I'm not saying I still think that regardless of circumstance, if you're the Aberdeen manager and you're offered the Rangers job, you take it. Um, I know Alex Ferguson didn't, but that that was a, a fairly unique set of circumstances. Absolutely, I think in the current stage, if you're offered that job, you take it. But this is now two jobs he's been offered and hasn't taken for various reasons, and there is obviously a question over his bottle, his team are bottlers. Um, you know, the Aberdeen fans yeah, will tell they, you that they, they just lost a. A floundering side with a U20s man. Yeah, they really got bodied <laughs> twice by by Graham Murty, and um, you know that that's the peculiar thing in this because the only person who comes out of this ahead for me is Derek McInnes because he is unsackable in his current role now. Stuart Milne will never sack Derek McInnes, you yeah. know, short of like, a, a, a season they lose every game. So while Milne's in charge, he is now unsackable. The sheep don't particularly want him. They think he's a bottler. They think that his team's bottle it in Glasgow. They think he should have achieved more. They think his football's bad. Rangers fans didn't particularly want him. And you can listen to previous pods for that, that we thought, okay, he will do. But as I say, the only person who's really... I mean, the sheep fans will have a laugh at this, as will everybody else. And that's fair enough, because it is humiliating. And let's let's not kid ourselves, it is. But he's the only guy that's coming out of this ahead, as far as I can see. Yeah, and, and I mean, he's a classic. I mean, he's an A to B manager. You know, I mean, he, he'll set up a team and get you where you need to go and and get you through a match or get you through a season or now, in his case, at Aberdeen, you know, use it however long he wants to stay there. But, but I mean, even in our case, under the best scenario, what? He comes in, he gets he gets the team organized again, which seems like Murdy's doing pretty well at anyway. Uh, 
Rodgers loses his fucking mind because he's sick of getting pumped in the Champions League, right? Mm. Um, if we happen to take three points off of them in New Year's, now that I mean that would send Rodgers into a fucking mental tailspin. Oh, right? the, the, he has to be the most fragile manager that's ever fucking existed. But best case, you know, we miraculously win this league. Or we win it next year, but th- but that's the extent that Derek McInnes was ever going to carry us anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, mean, I don't think I mean, he's, he's, he's not gonna, he's not going to carry us back into Europe and and you know take us out of these great matches in Dortmund and stuff like this and come. You know, I mean that that was never his his scale. So again, that comes back to the the question of you know whether it's the board and King and Murray and them or or, or the executives and Stuart Robertson especially um, not having. Uh, you know, systems in place to, to deal with, with manager succession. I think that's the key thing for me. We keep coming back to this, that um, our podder Andy always says they should have had a plan in place, at least after Niedercorn, even allowing for last season to say, right, that's a completely, you know, it's gone, we forget it. Pedro gets judged from day one here. The fact that they didn't, and seems so taken aback, that the fact that we are now six weeks in to this managerial search... Uh, that does not speak well for who we're going to end up with. And I think that's probably the key thing for Rangers. There's a lot of Rangers fans out there who didn't want McInnes and who are quite happy that he's, that we're not getting them in terms of they didn't rate him. And I get that. And they're still up, they, they are not you know saying, well, we're doing the process correctly. They're still upset at the board for the process, but they, they didn't want McInnes. My concern is if they couldn't land Derek McInnes, who can they land? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the next step is here. I mean, we're, we're, we're venturing very close to another Pedro appointment. That's, um, that's a concern, yeah. To yeah, somebody, anybody. I mean, it, well, it, it, and, the, and the scariest thing with this, I mean, we're, we're still in, somehow, in contention in this league, right? We could still feasibly win the league this year. Yeah, this is not a difficult uh, league. Uh, There's one team in it. Everyone else is yeah. shite. If we can, you know, just, just be less shite than everyone else, you're right, we've got to run at this. Well, I think that's what everybody was saying about McKinnis is, you know, I mean, he'll take care of the jobber teams in the league. What he, what he does against Celtic, that's up for question, but he would know how to get us set up to take care of Hamilton and, and Dundee. And, yeah. Dundee. and, and the other side, like, no, we're doing that, right? Mur- Murdy's got the team set out to do that. So, again, if, if that's all that we're shooting for, then you, you just hold the line with what we have right now until we know we can get somebody in who's a market step up. You don't just go chasing the guy because you need a manager, and that's and that's the position that you put yourself in when when you don't have a plan in place. I think that that's a, a good point that you don't want Rangers now to just go and jump into uh, a rebound um, marriage here, right? Absolutely. However, again, had that happened on day one, there's not as much pressure, but because it's right. happened on day forty-two since Pedro left, that. Yeah, it's okay saying, well, we should probably take a couple of weeks, but then you're up to eight weeks. You've gone two months of the season without a manager. And, of course, people are going to question your competency as, as businessmen when that happens. Of course they are. How can they not when you've somehow contrived um, for the second time in, in a calendar year, let's remember, to go over a month without the most important key position at your club being filled? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I you know... I've questioned Twitter not as much because I try to stay out of shit anymore. <laughs> Probably yeah, out of your health. Obviously, yeah. the competency of the exec camp. I think Paul Murray sells too much influence on what goes on in day-to-day operations at the football club. 
and I think that's really starting to weigh down. You know, I mean, you you look like let's set aside the the, the football aspect of it. Let's look at our communications department, right, and, and what the great Mister Staten is doing in there. You know, we're we're, we're going to do a three hundred and sixty degree photo on a Wednesday night in fucking November mm-hmm. to try to get the fans up for something. It, it, you know, it, it's a joke. It, there, there's so many issues here where it's clear that they're, they don't have a key, to, I don't know what the hell you want to call it, like your mission statement, whatever the hell you want to call it. They don't know what they're doing a month down the line, a week down the line, no. whatever it is. Everything's being handled on like this day-to-day ad hoc basis. And this is how you end up in the position where we are with McKinnis now. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, it is yet another humiliation and an unnecessary one. You know, yet another self-inflicted yeah. wound for a support that's, that's, I think, maintained a wonderful sense of gallows humour throughout it. But at some point, it's bad enough when things happen in football that embarrass you. But when your own side are constantly doing it to you, as a fan, that's probably the worst. And it's, it's, it's even worse in this case because it's not a board we hate. You know, it's one thing when the Spivs are doing it because everyone can see from the outside, well, look, you know, they're obviously a shower of corrupt wankers. But in a case like this where we want to actually quite like the board, it's like, just fucking yeah. do your job, you know. just just It's not difficult. Hire a manager. <laughs> Get a manager in. You know, the banter years were great but when, when it was Mike Ashley. Now, now that it's these guys, it's like, uh, can we get done with this finally? Like, it's It's been five years. Yeah. We've had enough. Yeah, we're, we're, okay we're done. Now. Yeah, we've passed this. What then is, what's the realistic best case scenario from here, Shane? I mean, where, where do we go from here? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to sound like a jack off and take a lot of shit on Twitter for this. I'd, I'd, I'd be happy with Murdy riding it out until we know we have in a competent manager that, that can take us beyond this level. You know, winning the league, you know, it's like you said, it's a one-team league, right? Any any base manager should be able to, with our talent level and the resources that we have available, put up a challenge to the league. Correct. That, that's not that's not what we're looking for, though. We're, we're looking for a manager who can not only do that, but carry us on to the next level once we get back into it. You know, we, we don't need another Luxembourg, right? No, we need somebody that, that, that can at least get us through a couple qualifying rounds of your league. I think that that was and, the, the main attraction of, of McInnes to people who thought, right, he's not going to be great, but at least he won't be embarrassing. And, and God, he didn't even have to get into the job to be embarrassing. <laughs> what are you saying, shipping five goals to that team over two days? Well, you know, the, here's the thing. This is why it's such a bizarre situation, you know. It's like, he just kind of proved to us why he shouldn't be our manager. And yes. then, and then uh, you know, we, I don't think we're losing out by not hiring Derek McInnes. And I do want to say that to any listeners in case they're thinking, you know, I'm upset that we didn't hire Derek McInnes. I'm really not. And you've listened to previous pods. I wasn't entirely sure he was the man for the job. But, you you know, one doesn't excuse the other. The fact that Derek McInnes was not the right choice for the job does not mean that the board have handled this correctly. The, the two things are not diametrically opposed. And yep. that, for me, is the issue that we have to look at, at all of that. And then the worst part for me is that I do know that the board have received CVs from you know proper actual football managers with, with considerably better CVs than the likes of Pedro that they haven't gone for because they had decided that they, they, they had to stick to British, they had to stick to someone who, who knew the game in this country. And these guys have now been waiting for six weeks some of them have gone to other jobs and you could well be in a position where Rangers are left with very little choice other than to give it to Graham Murty for a uh, till the end of the season at least and 
to be in that position from a sacking in October, I, I think is it's very difficult. And the lack of humility shown at the the AGM, and basically, you know, the th- this is not the time to point the finger. Well, when is? Because at some yeah. point you're going to have to accept that the situation, whether or not it's your fault or not, is a fuck-up. And if you bear the responsibility, which you do as the directors, then unfortunately, whether it's your fault or not, it doesn't matter. You get the blame. That's how this works. Well, it, it would have been simple enough in October to come out and say, you know, Murdy's going to be the caretaker manager. We're going to undertake a very lengthy process. We think we have a competent enough staff here that we can sustain this season. Um, and, and we're going to come out of this with the right football manager. But instead, again, it was this patchwork bullshit. Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And, and at the end of it, again, six weeks later, we ended up getting knocked back by the guy we could have gotten knocked back by on day one. Yeah. And that, that for me, is the, the, the worst part of it. And it is leaving a bad taste in supporters' mouths, and, and understandably. Now, I know you've got to shoot off um, to, to do your day job uh, kind of thing. So um, b- before, I, before I let you go, Shane, we co- brief talk about Saturday. Now, the, the most frustrating thing for me is that Rangers had momentum after the two Aberdeen games, and, and had they hired you know, anyone, but McInnes, anyone, um, that we were going into this with this, you know, hoodoo of three games, a really great chance to to do it. And from there on, I mean, I, I genuinely thought after the Aberdeen games, you know, these could be season-defining matches. These two matches could have turned our ship around. And again, I, instead of can't wait to get into this match and everything's going well, again, we find ourselves in this situation where fans are feeling, you know, deeply frustrated. Yeah, I, I, I got to hope, I got to think... You know, with, with the situation that Murray's operated under uh, already, um, I mean, I, I, I can't doing the job that he's done under these circumstances is fucking incredible. Yeah. So I gotta think he's gotta be able to get the side back out there to actually give the fans something to get back behind, get back on side with. Everybody's gonna be a little bit pissed off, but I think you know, me and you probably both have the right mindset here. Of, eh, you know, it was Derek McKinnis, so yeah. who the fuck really cares, right? Let's let's just get back out. Hopefully, carry on a little bit for him. Not, you know, missing Ryan Jack, not going to be fun, but should still. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I got faith in Murdy to carry through while he's in the job. We should certainly have enough to beat Ross County at home. I mean, regardless yes, of who's in charge. That should not be a problem. Yeah, and that's, there's no disrespect to Ross County, but the players that we have, even allowing for Ryan Jack's absence, um, be interested to see who comes in because I don't think Dorans is quite there yet. So yeah. be interesting to see if we we go with the same system because we have had a lot more dig in midfield in the last two games. You know, we've had a lot more bite, and obviously we're going to have more of the ball. So there may be the temptation to put in a ball player or whatnot. But I think that system was working pretty well, and I, I would have been fairly loath to change it. Although again, you're you're going to be facing a packed defence as opposed to maybe Aberdeen who won to play more expansively against this, so it's a different challenge but it's a shame to lose Jack now we, that's something else we should probably bring up especially before I let you go Ryan Jack's red card was not rescinded this Bullshit. time yep and uh, well that was what I was going to ask you on your opinion on the tackle now we, we've on the, the pod this it, week, it wasn't the tackle he was passing the ball correct actually I mean, you're it, right it I'm wrong tackle. Nope. he was finishing a kicking motion because he was passing the ball well we've 
cunning out of it, and that was it. Well, we've had both sides on this uh, pod this week on the Monday pod. Andy felt it was a red card. Cami, who's our qualified ref, he wasn't. He said he could see why it was given, although he wouldn't have. Um, I felt like you did. I said, there's no, unless he can, you know, ju- like ju- stop time and then remove himself, like that episode <laughs> of The Simpsons where Bart Millhouse find the watch that stops time. Unless he owned that, I don't see how he could. But. Um, I think the fact that there there were so many saying no it was a red card even from within the game and actually guys who don't hate us you know like guys that have got a reasonably decent opinion I think right. that there was always the chance that because there was a, enough dubiety that there was always a chance that it, you know they were going to take because they've been after Jack for a while and now now they had a chance to nail him. Well, I, I, I mean, I can understand in the moment issuing the card. Right. I mean, in the heat of that moment, it, it, it looked bad. It does. But that's the point of having a video review system is that we can go back and look at this and realize that Stevie May ran into a guy's leg as he was finishing a pass. Mm. I mean, that's that's all that that was. There was nothing else in it. No, there was no intent. He's not and, looking and, at him. And, and like you said, no, nah, I mean, he's got an axe on his back. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're hawking him and everything. He's like Ian Black, except good at football. Yes. You know, every chance they get the card him, they're going to. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, I do, I do think, and Cammy disagreed with me, but I do think he's being held to a different standard to, to other players. So before I let you go then, Shane, just quick prediction for Saturday? Uh, just a comfortable 2-0, nothing too flashy. What happens first? Uh, Rangers get a new manager or Trump is impeached? Oh, God. I, 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 evens, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, thanks very much, mate. Much appreciated. Thank, thank you, David. Pleasure. So thanks uh, to Shane for joining us. Uh, it's always nice to get a fresh voice in the, the pod and uh, he, he always talks sense, even if it sends from an American accent. But, you know, it's, uh, they've done a lot of great things in their time, the Yanks. But uh, from our point of view, where does this where does this leave as well? I don't know where we go in terms of an appointment because there are now so many factors at play that complicate the issue. Firstly, if you dive into an appointment within a couple of days, people are going to say, well, there's just a panic move. Um, there is the second choice stigma. It is going to be applied, if not by us, then by other people to whoever gets the job. So from that point of view, you would think, well, the sensible thing is to let Graham Murty have have a run at it and, and to have a few months in charge. And I, I could I could certainly see the logic for that because, it, you know, you, you do want to, to take a bit of time to make the right decision. The problem comes when you have taken a bit of time to make the right decision and you haven't managed to do so. That, I think, is when it becomes very, very difficult to defend the process that Rangers have undergone. And where we are now going to go with the with the club is a potentially, potentially difficult outcome to map. Um, like I say, I think the board deserve a lot of credit for their off-the-field stuff. Andy McGowan talked about it on the podcast, that their performance in terms of how the books are looking and how the, the club is shaping up moving forward are, are very good. And obviously that was what sunk us. That was what caused emotion. That's what caused all the trauma. So it is. It's a vital part. But Alex staff on this uh, on this Heartland Extra a few weeks ago wondered if it was a case that the board are too fixated on that and think that so long as that's okay, that everything else can be managed. Because at the end of the day, a bad football team isn't going to sink a club. Uh, a bad set of books can. So at the time I said I wasn't sure, I maybe didn't think that, but it, it's becoming harder to justify. 
a lot of criticism is going to be directed at Stuart Robertson and the problem is, is you don't know if that's fair because you don't know what the decision-making setup within Ibrox is. We've all heard things and you know we all suspect things. But the problem for Stuart Robertson is, rightly or wrongly, he is the man in the nominal position that would be getting the praise or the blame for anything that goes well or goes wrong. And in this, this current climate where the fans are, I think, a little bewildered by what's going on or or decisions that are being taken, that he is a lightning rod for that. I don't think that the club's press has been good, and we have talked about that on this show before. I don't think that their PR is great. Someone joked to me that Rangers will be putting out a statement saying they're quite happy that even though they didn't get McInnes, uh, the, the press thought that we were, and they were wrong. And through the tears, I, I had to acknowledge that there might be a little bit of truth in that that we don't seem to be all pulling in the one direction and we don't seem to be all focused on the main aim. The key issue for Rangers at the moment is the manager. It's In fact, it's the only issue for Rangers at the moment is the manager because from that manager stems so many other things. Stems a winning team, stems a feel-good support, stems a support who want to spend money. All of that, all of that comes from making the appointment and getting it right. And Appointing a new manager should be a time of hope for a support. It should be the chance where you get to dream. And we're not even getting to do that because it's taken so long. And then the choice, in inverted commas, that they picked was the uninspired guy that we all thought would probably get it on day one. And then he doesn't even get it. So, or he doesn't even take it. Now, McInnes has bottled this for whatever reason. Um, You know, there are rumours coming out that he was unhappy about not getting complete control of the coaching setup or not being happy to work under a director of football. Well, he knew all that before he was going down there for talks. And as I say, certainly the the mood uh, music coming out of the club is that as far as they were concerned, everything was going smoothly right up until the point where it wasn't. And he, he changed his mind and he, he made his decision and, and exited. So from that point of view, it, it's very tough for the board, I think, to accept that they did anything wrong because as far as they're concerned, they picked a guy, they approached his club, they got that done, Aberdeen had agreed to let him let speak to him and then they offered the guy the job and he said no. So what more could they do because they didn't want to change their coaching? So, and that is correct. But again, it's when you add it into everything else that's been happening, when you add it into the six-week delay, when you add it into the lack of progression planning, when you add it into the disastrous Pedro appointment, and this is where that appointment is going to continually come back and haunt them until they get it right. Pedro Cascina was the worst manager in Rangers history, statistically, in terms of bad results, in terms of humiliations. I think, you know, he, you could maybe point to, I think, Davy White gets mentioned, Paul Gwen gets mentioned, but Pedro was awful, and all manner of awful, at a time when the Scottish Premier top division is as bad as it has ever been. So that decision was awful, and the fact that they did the right thing for probably the wrong reason and backed him in the summer meant that he ended up staying in the job a little longer than than he should have and until they correct that decision by making the right one I think everything flows from it. Warburton wasn't the wrong decision. That's that's the key thing. Warburton at the time had all the credentials. He looked exactly what we needed and for a while he was um, because we forget this now that the first six months under Warburton the football that was getting played was mainly good and certainly progressive. He seemed to be speaking the language that we needed to do to, to be a 21st century manager and we hadn't had one of those. 
and he seemed to be moving us to the place that we needed to go. So the board, I don't criticise them for the Warburton decision. In the end, it went badly wrong, and there were various factors for that, and I'm sure Mark Warburton would would say that there was blame on both sides. His subsequent career at Forest hasn't been fantastic either because of you know the issues we discussed at length on here, which refusal to change and whatnot. But he was a good decision at the, the stage we were at. Pedro was a bizarre decision. It didn't make sense then. It doesn't make sense now. And in future, historians will look back at that and say, seriously, what the hell were you thinking? The board, I think, and this is just my opinion, belligerently and rather bloody-mindedly uh, bloody refused to consider the prospect that they had got it wrong right up until they could no longer defend it and then fire them but the performance at the AGM suggested a board that weren't quite ready to look in the mirror and accept responsibility for that poor decision and for subsequent poor decisions and we're now in a situation where unnecessarily the board have damaged the relationship with the support, not in terms of liking them, we, we go on about you know we like the board and people are, are getting fed up that, that you, it seems to be obligatory to use the caveat they saved us from the spivs, but they, they did and we are grateful and we will be forever grateful to them for that. But it's almost like a government uh, being formed by the opposition party. When you're the opposition, it's great. You can do no lot. You can do no wrong. You're popular. You can promise this. You can promise that. You can say you're going to deliver that. You can say you're going to sort this. You can say you're going to change the world. It's, it's fine because you're just making. Once you're in, then you get judged to a different standard, and that's what I think the board are having trouble adapting to. I personally don't think the board accept a delay of this of this length in appointing a new manager. Um, if they, uh, if they are in their other businesses. So I don't see why it's acceptable to, to do it with us. And fans are just going to grow more and more frustrated. And the board don't have to put up with going out and going into their places of work and going about their business and being laughed at by other fans. We do. And we're the ones who have to bear the brunt of that. And we're kind of sick of it. And tonight was another massive kick in the balls for Rangers fans. For a guy we didn't even really want. That's, that's the worst of it. That's what annoys the most. That's what chafes the most. And the fans are... I think getting a little bit fed up of taking it on the chin, um, as as Shane's memorably spunky um, description earlier put it. I think we're a little bit fed up with having to wipe our mouths after swallowing, and I think now that we want to, uh, we want to be able to punch our weight again, and we're not doing that at the moment. And if you're the guy, we are, you know, your your hands on the tiller, you've got to steer the ship in a better direction than the board are currently steering this ship. I'd like to say that this is the nadir for them, but. Until they until they get big decisions right, big visible decisions right, then I'm afraid that they are going to be very much in the in the the court of opinion, being found guilty of of not being up to it, and that's a shame because it's something that was unnecessary and it's mistakes that they've made. I don't blame people for making mistakes. I never do. I blame people when they make the same ones continually and never learn from them. And that's a worrying trait about Rangers board at the moment, that that's exactly what they're doing. And that kind of thing concerns me. So from a, a football point of view, we've got Ross County on Saturday at home, a chance to finally break the becoming a huge, huge albatross. That, or, or can you break an albatross? I'm mixing my metaphors there. Sorry, I do a lot of shows these days, which I'll talk to you about in a minute. Um, so, so trying to keep everything fresh, I'm inventing metaphors now, you know. Well, that's a completely different basket of e-cigarettes, for example. Uh, but yeah. Moving on to Saturday, we're playing Ross County, managed by Owen Coyle. So, you know, it could be worse in terms of who your manager is. Yeah. 
You know, always, always somebody worse off than yourselves. But we shouldn't joke because a match that should be pretty much an automatic three points, we've shown that we get this into our heads about three games and, and bottle it because we proved that against uh, against Hamilton and then felt the reverb for that up against Dundee. Ross County lost 2-0 last week uh, when they were defeated to by Dundee, obviously conquerors of us the week before. And Dundee played very well from the highlights and uh, certainly Neil McCann, I think, feels he's turned the corner there that they've taken seven points from the last nine Dundee after a five-match uh, winless run, or five-match defeats, no points in that run. So you could say, and I'm sure Ross County would argue that they are... Um, they were making a team on an upswing, and that's probably correct. But those are the type of games Ross County need to win if they're going to maintain their status in this division. So this is a free shot for them. And we saw with Hamilton, and we saw with Dundee, how difficult a free shot can become to a team if we allow it to be that way. If our players play, never mind to the to the form that they showed against Aberdeen in the two matches, if they play with the authority that they showed in those two matches, then it will not be a will not be a challenge for us. We will win those games because the team played with a zest and a maturity and as I say an assurance that you know we're the better side, we're gonna win this game. And they were first every loose ball and they did everything that you could possibly ask for them. And even when we went down to ten men in the second game up at the sheep pen, we still fought and fought and fought and in the end I think we're fairly comfortable. So it really comes down to which Rangers turn up on Saturday. Ross County can't beat Rangers. Rangers can beat Rangers. And the, the team have done that in matches this season, not that long ago, where matches that we absolutely had no business losing, we contrived to lose. And until the team put together a winning run of more than two matches, then that, that's, that's going to be held over them. We'll miss Ross Jack, but we should still be able to bring in a player to replace him. It might be time to look at young Jamie Barjonas. I think he could step in and do that role very well. And I think he looked assured at the end of last season. I would prefer to see him than maybe a gamble on someone like, say, Nico, who I don't know, I really don't. I'm not sure what the future holds for Nico Cranshaw because he's looked so off the pace in his appearances. He wasn't even chosen to come on against Hamilton or Dundee when we were chasing. And to me... It seems his days as a as a professional footballer are, are, are certainly his best days are behind him. But you know the fact that he's not even getting chosen in those games, I think, shows you the level of trust that that Graham Murray and Jonathan Johansson have in him. So, I I don't know. It may require a change in shape. As I say, that worked very well, but it was Aberdeen. It was a different type of match. They were going to play in a different fashion against us. We're likely to face what we did against Hamilton, which is the mass strengths of defending and trying to hit us on the break. So it may require some thought. One thing I do like about it is, though, is the system in the last two games did allow our players to play in between the lines. Now, you could argue that there won't be that space to do that at the weekend, but I think for a team, if you put players in positions that they are fairly comfortable of when they've got rigid lines defensively then it becomes um, more predictable at least to play you obviously have better players you can break them down but I think that you don't really know at the moment quite where Windass, Miller, Pena are going to take you and that provides a different challenge for them 
and I think that we've got to be cognizant of that and uh, I'd like to think that we're working on plans because you don't know I mean Graham Murray might have thought that he wouldn't be taking the team on, on Saturday I'm sure that you know on a professional level he's you know say all the right things or no no until I hear different I'm just taking the team but you know we're human and our minds drift to, to things but I'm going to go for Rangers to win 2-0. I hope it's a boring, unspectacular, solid victory for the Jairs. That would do us just nicely. And then on Monday, we can get back to this this um, manager saga, which hopefully will be completed before Game of Thrones is, because it's the only that's the only long-running saga that I can think of compares for its epicness. Um, although we've obviously had, uh, had slightly less barbaric slayings uh, than, than that show has. So yeah, I'm going for 2-0 Rangers. Now, as I mentioned, I'm doing a lot of shows these days and uh, that's because we've launched the Heart and Hand Patreon cha- uh, channel, which is a subscription service where if you enjoy the two free shows that you get every week from us, you can now listen to us on a daily basis. And we do different things. We do breaking news updates. I did one tonight as soon as that news broke. Um, we got one up with myself and Ian Hogg. We do a daily update, which is pretty much any Rangers news from first team to fitness to reserve to anything that's going on in the world. But we also did a series of new shows, and these are, I think, the key ones. Uh, these are the ones that I think are for, for people who take in a lot of podcasts. I know I do. I'm an avid podcast listener. So the first one dropped this week, and it was part one of the Advocate years, where we discussed uh, season 1997-98. It was myself, Ian Hogg, and youngster Stuart McCall. And the reason for that panel is me and Ian remember it from the old Foggy point of view, and young Stuart will talk about it from, uh, or ask questions about it from a younger Bears point of view. For instance, this week he, he was... Um, uh, delighted to to discover why we were able to sign players in October and November. He thought we just signed players when we wanted, um, and didn't didn't uh, didn't quite realise how the transfer system had worked back then. And that's that's what it's there for because to us things like that seem obvious. We lived through it, but to younger players they didn't, so they might not know that. And uh, it's been very well received. It was a really fun show. That was part one. Uh, brought back some memories. You know, Negri's squash injury or. The, uh, the the team being dreadful in 97-98 or Advocate arriving and, and picking Barry Ferguson to remain when up to then he'd been available to, to transfer for £100,000 so some great memories and some bad ones as well but it was a lot of fun the next show that will go up is a, a debate between our regular podders Cammy and Alex on whether or not Kenny Miller is a Rangers legend Cammy says he isn't Alex says he is I'll be moderating that and I'm very interested to see which one of them comes out on top and that'll be voted for by the subscribers of Patreon we've got well over a thousand already it's been amazing and the community over there already is fantastic guys are chatting away to each other um, you don't get the usual interlopers that you might get elsewhere uh, and, and the bangers that, uh, that, that maybe just come to troll we, we've got a, a really good little community of Rangers fans going on in there and there's also other stuff there's an interview with Jeff Holmes the author of Rangers in Russia which details Rangers trip to uh, the Soviet Union in 1962 an amazing story. Rangers were really there to represent not just national pride, but Western pride against the communist state. And it was really the kind of capitalist versus communist uh, thing at the time. Because, you know, you remember that time. It's just before Vietnam uh, it started. It's just after the Cuban Missile Crisis. There was a lot going on in the world at the time. And to hear the story of Nikita Khrushchev standing up to applaud Rangers because of their play, I think that's one you've definitely got to, you've got to hear and you've got to read in Jeff's book. Now, Jeff uh, is giving all money from his book to the 
former Rangers player Benevolent Fund, which looks after Rangers players and or tries to at least assist Rangers players in their old age. The guys who didn't make as much money as the modern players do and who should have great names, legends from our from our history. And the cut-off date for it, for example, is 1986. So some players before that. The book is five pounds. You can get it from Jeff himself, and he's on he's on Twitter um, at Jeff J E double F ha ha. H nineteen sixty. That's uh, J E double F H nineteen sixty uh, on Twitter, or you can get them from the Rangers Youth Development Office at Ibrox, um, where Colin and the guys are. If you go in there, you'll be able to pick up a copy for five pounds, and all the monies go to the go to the former Rangers Players Benevolent Fund, which is a fantastic gesture from Jeff. But he told some brilliant stories. That pod's there as well, and there's also some stuff from a live show with Kevin Thompson. Speaking of which, Dunfermline, we are coming to see you on March the 3rd next year. We're going to be doing a podcast, a live show podcast with Kevin uh, and Dunfermline. So I'm going to brave it. I'm going to go to the East Coast. I'm going to see what all the fuss is about. Uh, hopefully, is there, is there some sort of big country tour there? Because uh, that would that would be my main reason for going to Dunfermline. But uh, yeah, we'll have more details on that. So loads and loads happening. If you want to sign up anyway on uh, Patreon, just go to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-I-N. R-E-O-N.com forward slash heart and hand and we have a copy of Jeff's book to give away I'm delighted to do that and I know it's not I'm going to make you go and sign up to have a chance to win although if you want to that would be great but uh, to win it all you need to do is when we put the tweet up of this or the Facebook post of this if you retweet the show um, being live or if you like and share the Facebook post about the show being up and being live, then you will be in contention. I'll pick a name from a hat, so to speak. I won't. I'll use Cybersoft where it does it. So it will be fair, and the book will be sent out to you from Jeff. So uh, don't say we're not good to you, because we are. So another turbulent week at Rangers, but I suppose at this stage of the game, we're kind of getting used to them. Doesn't doesn't really mean we enjoy them. But uh, here's to the Bears, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network.